There you go. It was my dancing, right? It's my dancing. I, they, they called me and they said, you need to come over and you need to dance for this video. I'm like, the church I grew up in, they said, if you dance, you went straight to hell. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to dance. I don't have any rhythm whatsoever, but I can, I'm good with a water pistol. It was good. Well, welcome again, and uh, great to see you guys. Welcome, everybody watching online. Thanks for uh, being with us as well. And uh, we're going to start a new series this weekend I'm excited about. It's called Toxic, and we're going to be talking about relationships, and we're going to kind of hang out here for um, a few weeks. We talk about relationships uh, a lot here at Grace because relationships are kind of, they're, they're foundational to everything in our life, right? So starting with our relationship with God and then moving up from there. And if you're, if you're not a Christ follower yet, uh, you would look and say, yeah, my, my, maybe my marriage, my friendship, who I'm dating, the people I hang out with, my friend group, like those are the most important pieces of my life. I want those to be healthy. If you are a Christ follower already, we would say all of those same things and we would add to that that all of those relationships are supposed to reflect our relationship with Christ. And so it, it is, it's our example of what Christ does or what the Bible would call bearing witness of what Christ does in our lives. So they're huge, right? They're huge. And relationships are just kind of the core of all that we have. You can have all the money in the world and have all your dreams come true, but if you, if you don't have somebody to love, if your relationships are broken down, if your interaction with your parents is messed up, None of that matters at all. Um, you can not have much of any of that stuff and have great relationships and actually be really, really healthy and happy and fulfilled because it's just the foundation of our lives. So that's why we talk about it so much. It's important to us and then it's important to our testimony or the witness that we bear with Christ. Now, I don't know if you've been living in the same planet I have for the last little bit, but relationships are strained. Right? So trust is strained and our interaction with each other is strained and we're tense and we're divided, right? Politically, culturally, racially, within the church over this, that, the other thing. And that's why in our culture right now, kind of people are on the edge. They always feel like they're like on the edge of snapping and it's because their relationships are strained all over the place. So the families are disconnected, your friend group is disconnected, politically, nationally, on and on and on and on and on, right? And so we're kind of living in this place right now where we're looking and saying, my life and the path I want to go and the things I want to enjoy and the things that mean a lot to me are all hurting or broken or strained because relationally we're knocked down, right? So we get in these cycles, we get in these dysfunctional cycles, and it leads us to dysfunctional and painful places, and it's because our relationships are what they need to be. So I asked this question, I put this in my notes, I wrote this down, I said, what if, what if I could show you a roadmap from the Bible that would help you navigate difficult relationships and give energy and momentum to healthy ones? What if I could show you something different? Right? So if you like look at it, think of a, a broken family relationship, you're just in this cycle and you keep having the same fight over and over and over again. It's 20 years later, you're still not getting along with your dad, there's tension, everybody dreads the holidays. What if I could show you that there's a way to do something different that would lead you to a different place? 
and that cycle could be broken. We get into this in marriages. If you are in a marriage where you've been fighting about the same two or three things for the last 20 years, good news is you're very, very normal. Bad news is unless you do something different, you're gonna be having that same conversation that just turns into 30 years, 40 years. So what if I could show you from the Bible that there's like a different path that would have a different outcome, right? And you could have a relational outcome that's different, maybe that you didn't even know was really possible, but it was something that kind of came from God, a direction that came from God, as opposed to something that we made up ourselves, right? So that's what we're gonna talk about for the next few weeks. I'm gonna show you those pathways in the Bible and uh, we're gonna invite, hopefully, God into that process and I think you'll wind up in a different place because of it. Now, this weekend, to launch off, I just kind of wanna like, set the table for us a little bit. So this is what I'm gonna kind of walk us through this weekend. We're gonna look and we're gonna find out that there's more than one option. So when I'm in a difficult and broken relationship, I usually feel trapped in it. So I'm gonna show you that there's, a, there's more than one option that, that God can lay out for us. And I'm gonna show you that those new options come because God gives us different tools. So when we're looking like, I don't know, we just, I can't break out of this, I'm always fighting with my sister. I'm like, hmm, what if I gave you some different tools, could we build a different thing, right? And so we'll see that God provides that. Those tools give us different choices, and then those choices allow us to find like a healthy version of us. Like we can look different and because of what God can do in us. And then we'll talk about like how does that play out? Like how does change actually work? How can I change myself? How can I change the cycle of of broken relationships and then how can I change that toxic DNA, all right? So we'll, we'll start looking at this, right? So what we're gonna do this week is we're gonna hang out in Ephesians. So if you got a Bible, go to Ephesians chapter four. If you wanna use a, a, a printed Bible, there's some there in the chairs, or if you just wanna use the app that we talked about, uh, you can just open that app up and all these verses and stuff will be there for you. So Ephesians chapter four, I wanna read through this together and then we're gonna like go back and break it apart a little bit. So Ephesians four, the apostle Paul is talking on kind of God's behalf, starting with verse 17. And this is what he says. So he says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for all members of one body. In your anger, don't sin, don't, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up in accordance with their needs, that it may be beneficial, that it may benefit those who listen. 
sin. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which you were sealed with to the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And in that passage there, there's those few verses, God is laying out a pathway. He's showing us that there, there's, a, there's a whole different thing that can be on the table if you'll let it be there, right? And you just don't have to be kind of stuck in the cycles that you've been with. So the Apostle Paul starts off, and the first thing he does is he kind of lays out these options. He's like, okay, guys, we've got a couple of options, and you get to choose uh, which option you, you want to work with. So he says it this way. He says, so I, I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So he's, he's talking to people who have decided to be followers of Jesus Christ. And what he's doing is he compares the follower of Jesus Christ to what he titles a, a Gentile. And in this context, all a Gentile is, is a godless person. Somebody who looks and says, I don't really care what Jesus thinks. I don't really care what the Bible says. That's not important to me. And Paul says about those people, he says, what they, they, have, they have sealed their heart off to God and they're, they're ignorant or they lack knowledge of God. And they, they're living in that ignorance. So they would look and say, I don't know who God is. I don't know what the Bible says. I don't really care. It's not important to me at all. So I'm going to live my life as if God maybe doesn't exist or has no authority or certainly not as defining me. And I'm just gonna live my life that way. And then he talks to people who are Christ followers and he says, but for you guys, I insist in the Lord that you don't do that. So the culture is gonna live as if there is no God and he certainly doesn't define and direct them. But if you're a Christ follower, I insist, Paul says, that that is not the path you go down. You are choosing a different path. This is a paradigm and a path, and this is a paradigm and a path. This is the paradigm and a path that everybody on planet Earth grows up with naturally until they meet Jesus and then they can shift they can change over to this other paradigm and another path. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, so as a Christ follower, I don't take my relational cues from people who don't care what God thinks. I take my relational cues from Christ and how he interacted with me. So that means that the logic of the Christless is not the logic of the Christ follower, right? Now, for us, in our present day and age, it would mean things like this. The idea of canceling someone would be illogical for the Christ follower. So our culture right now would say, you don't agree with me, you offend me, you hurt me, you did something to me, you're dead to me, I'm done with you, you're canceled. I will never speak of you or think of you again. For the Christ follower, we would look and say, I'm really glad Jesus didn't treat me that way. Because when I was an enemy of God, when I offended God, when I disappointed God, when I hurt God, he pursued me, 
lavished me with mercy and lavished me with grace and restored me. So I would never cancel somebody. I don't take that cue from here and bring it over here. I insist that you no longer think like a Gentile. See? Uh, the idea, like a big thing in our culture right now, is this idea that you only surround yourself with positive people. You know, you go to Twitter, you get the five best ways to be the best version of you. I got to have positive people in me. I got to get toxic people away from me. And so if you disagree with me, if you hurt me, if you're difficult, if you wounded me in the past, if there's some kind of tension, I just got to get you around, away from me. I have to have people around me that build me up. I have to have people around me that really affirm me. I have to have people around me who really agree with who I am and what I want to do with life. And that is a logic of a Gentile. Well, for the Christ follower, that would make no sense at all because there's no version of me that brings out the best of God, but he's around me all the time. And he, he is loving me. He is pouring into my life. He is giving, he doesn't, he doesn't cut me out of his life. He didn't do that. He pursued me, chased me, redeemed me, changed me, loved me in my darkest hour and in my deepest shame. So Paul's like, we... We don't think like this, and, and we don't draw our cues from that. We draw our cues from who Christ is and what he's like. Even this idea that, that I need to live life for me. I need to have my best life now. I need to do what's in my best interest. I need to discover my truth. I need to be the truest version of me that I can be. That makes all the sense in the world over here if you remove Jesus and what he did from us completely. Because he laid his life down. He gave himself. Even while we were still sinners, he offered his life for us. Jesus wasn't living to, looking to live his best life now. He was living, looking to give the best of his life to us. So the Apostle Paul is like, guys, you gotta understand, if you're in a relational breakdown and cycle, you're in that, because you're drawing that from your history. You're drawing that from your environment. You're drawing that from your cultural cues. And that is always gonna lead you to that place. It's the life you've always known. It's the answer you've always come up with. It's the solution to your problem that you've always created and your culture's telling you to create. And it doesn't work. And it is like never worked. But that's not the only option. You're not just stuck being you or stuck in your habits or stuck in your pain, but you, you have to decide that you're going to live life differently than you were before. And as a Christ follower, I model my relationships after Christ and his love for me and his interaction with me. I don't model my relationships after a group of people who are godless what I'm gonna find on Twitter, what I'm gonna find from the self-help guy, he's not defined and directed by Christ, but my relationships are gonna be modeled differently and play out differently. Now, for those of you who aren't a Christ follower yet, that's really, really great news because you can break out of cycles and there's something brand new over here you don't know about yet, but God wants you to know about. For us, uh, those of us who are Christ followers, this becomes something that that we have to decide that we're gonna live in. It's like a paradigm we have to go down. 
Because the Bible says that as a Christ follower, when I know what Jesus has done for me, and I know how he wants me to live that out, be forgiven, forgive as you've been forgiven, love as you've been loved, lay your life down the way I've laid my life down. When I know those things, and I choose to try to have one foot in this world of the Gentile and one foot in this world of the Christ follower, the Bible calls me, the Bible titles me something uh, called a double-minded person. And the Bible says that if you're a double-minded person, half my brain's here, half my brain's there, that what you are is blown in, by the wind, you're tossed back and forth. So your relationships are gonna be a mess, right? Internally, you're gonna be very, very conflicted because you come to places like church and we teach you something from the Bible and you're like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just not doing it externally your relationships are going to be completely chaotic so when 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 you lose it on somebody at work and you become captain f-bomb they're going to look at you and be like i thought you were a christian uh, when you're like I, I i god changed my life you forgave me i'm a new person and then you go back and you function in these old relational habits they're going to look at you and be like i thought you were a new person you seem like the same old same old you so when we live as double-minded, all we get is chaos and conflict, right? So Paul kind of starts here, and he's like, listen, I, I, I insist that you don't live double-minded. I insist that you don't draw your relational cues from, from godless people. Like, let's not go down that path at all, because down that path, I, I like got nothing for you. If Paul was here today, he'd be like, if you're going to get all your relational answers off of Twitter, I got nothing for you. But if you want to pursue Christ and you want to decide that's the paradigm you're living in, you're not deciding whether or not you're going to, I'm going to, now what do I do exactly? What, what does that mean, right? Paul would say, I, I got some stuff I want to show you, Right? So I got two options. When I pull the Jesus lever and I go down the Jesus option, Paul builds on there. He said, I got some things for you. For instance, I got some new tools. I got some relational tools you've never, you've never had before, right? So he says it this way. He says, that, however, that, that Gentile way, that is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. You learned about something you never heard about before. So that's not what you learn when you learn about Christ. You were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus Christ. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul says, guys, you got some new tools. When you gave your life to Christ, the Bible says that all things are made new and that includes you. So you've been made new. You got some new tools in front of you you've never had before, which means that you can build some things relationally you've never been able to build before. You had this old self and then another place in the Bible it says I was crucified with that. That, that old self was put to death. And I was given this new self or new nature that Paul talks about but I have to then decide to use it. I have to put it on and live in that new nature. What, what, is this, what is this new self? 
Well, for instance, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that when you accept Jesus as your savior, you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit gives us power, spiritual power. He gives us discernment and he gives us the ability to understand and enact God's word. You never had that before. It's a whole new set of tools on the tool bench. And you have the ability to use that in your relationships. You never had that before. Uh, the Bible says in another place that when the Holy Spirit lives within you, you have something that's called the fruit of the Spirit. And it lists it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You never had that before. Well, I could be patient. I know, sometimes. But you never had the Spirit of God producing patience in you. You never had that before. You never had the spirit of God producing joy in you. You never had that before. That only comes when we become followers of Jesus Christ. And so Paul's looking, he's like, guys, listen, you know, when, when you're in a relational conflict and what you used to have was the tools of your old self, defensiveness, sarcasm, cynicism, your volume, your anger, your resentment, your wicked tongue. You had all those tools. That's been crucified. What you have now is this whole other ability that comes from God. And as a Christ follower, it is 100% at your disposal. But there's an act of the will. The taking off and the putting on is an act of the will. Because I can just go back to my, I can just F-bomb you. Or I could allow God to produce supernatural patience within me in a moment. I can, I can just go off on you. That's my secret superpower. I can tell you off like nobody's business. Or I can allow God to produce within me a supernatural self-control. What tool am I going to reach for? See, And when I decide to pick the option, the Jesus option, when I pick the Jesus option, I'm no longer deciding whether I want to honor God or not in this relationship. I've decided I'm going to do that. And now when I look around in this moment of relational tension, I'm looking and saying, what tools did God put in this paradigm with me? And I'm learning to receive those. I'm learning to utilize those. And I'm learning to build something new with it. The Jesus option gives us new tools. And when God gives us new tools, what that means is that he gives us new, new choices. I have the ability to make choices I really didn't have the ability to make before. This is part of what Paul means when he says, you've been made new in the attitude of your mind. I have the ability to make choices that I've never been able to make before. I can build something different than I could build before. Before I am in Christ, all I have is the choices of my past and my environment and my pain. That's what I got. I'm gonna respond at the same level of temper that my dad raised me in. I'm going to respond 
out of the same pain reaction that I've responded to my whole life because I know at least that pain reaction will keep me safe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna respond from the environment I was raised in. The house I was raised in, we just didn't talk about stuff like that. We just didn't say anything to anybody. We just all grew distant and none of us speak to each other anymore. But at least we don't have conflict. See? Those are my tools. But because I have new tools and God has done a supernatural work in my mind and my life, I have new choices what do I do with dad? Because what I've done my whole life is like ignore it, push him away. Today we'd say cancel him. But I don't have to do that. It's just what I've always done. Could God do a supernatural? Not in him, in me. Could I love him and serve him and give myself to him in a way that he never did for me? Could, could God do that? What do I do with mom? She crazy. And the, and the way that I've dealt with crazy is I keep crazy away from me and away from my children. I, I cancel her. It's all I've ever known to do. It's a, it's a survival function. Well, just because I've done it doesn't mean that I have to keep doing it. Could God, through his spirit, through his people, through his word, give me a different wisdom, a different insight, a different pathway? What do I do with my ex who hurt me and abused me and abandoned me? All I've ever done is respond to them out of bitterness do I have to do that? Do they even care? Could God do something different in me? I got choices that I didn't used to have. And when I choose the Jesus option, he gives me new tools. And those new tools, as I learn to live in them and utilize them and allow God to empower me, gives me new choices. And when I get new choices and I make different choices, what happens is I wind up with a new version of me. I wind up with a new version of me. It's a fascinating verse. Probably today, one of the most countercultural verses, two of them, there's two verses in the whole Bible, right? Philippians, Philippians chapter two, verse three and four. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. One of the most countercultural passages in the whole Bible because the cultural truth right now, the Gentile truth is what Paul would call it if he was doing Bible talk today right now would be the exact opposite of this. In our culture right now, our culture would teach you to do this. Do everything out of selfish ambition. You have to live your own truth. You have to be true to yourself. You have to surround yourself with people who affirm you, cheer for you, believe in you, regardless of what you're doing, that's what you have to do. So do everything out of selfish ambition. Uh, 
instead of humility with self-centeredness, value yourself above others. If somebody is needy, if somebody is broken, if somebody is dragging you down, slowing you up, bringing pain or frustration to your life, get rid of them, they're toxic. You gotta cleanse yourself of that toxicity. It's the only way that you can be the happy you that you need to be. So you need to be self-centered because you gotta care for yourself. If you don't love yourself, so you gotta be self-centered and you value yourself above others because your own interest is your highest interest. That's the Gentile truth of today. Now I have options. I'm gonna choose the Jesus option. So we're living in this paradigm. And in that option, God gives me tools so that I can build a relationship I can't build on my own. And when I use those tools, I make choices to love as I've been loved, to forgive as I've been forgiven, to, to invest in people as I've, been invested in, as I've been invested in. And those choices cause me to live a life that is counter to the culture and counter to my own selfish instincts. Because if I look at these verses, do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceit, rather humility, value others above yourself, not looking at your own interests, but also the interests of the others. There's no way I can do that. Who can live like that? I can't, how do you possibly do that? Ready? I would look at you and say, you're right. You can't do that. Nobody can possibly do that. But if God were to supernaturally work within you, because we're gonna stop praying that God changes your roommate and God changes your spouse. You can change your God, you can smite her, I wanna give you choices. God changes your kid, God changes your ex, God changes, and we're gonna start praying that God changes me. Make me different, God. God, you, Jesus, you flush the toxicity out of me. You show me and teach me how to live for other people, starting for you with you, Jesus. You show me how to value, I don't even know how to value others above myself. But that's all you do. And you told me that when I pursue you, I, I have a holiness and a righteousness that looks like yours. God, you, you help me to put other people's interests above my own. It's not even my instinct. But you said that I could, and Paul said that I should. And I didn't have these tools before, but I got them all now. I have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit within me empowering the word of God for me. And I wanna make choices, not 
reactionary choices to what's being done to me because that's the paradigm I've lived in my whole life. What you do defines what I do. But choices that reflect your love for me, Jesus, what you do is what I do. And when I do that, I change. My heart is altered. My mind and my attitudes are renewed. And I start to see people and interact with people and value people in ways that I didn't even know was possible. And outside of the supernatural work of God, I could never do on my own. And those new tools and those new choices and that new me does something amazing. You know what it does? It breaks cycles. It breaks cycles. Paul says this. He says, therefore, or instead, each of you must put off. I'm making choices. Go back to the scripture here. Look at it. It starts in verse 25. So he says that. He says, therefore, each of you should put off what? Falsehood. This is the first thing on the list. You should put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for all members of one body. I now have a tool that gives me a choice that I can use to break a cycle. What cycle? A cycle of, for instance, falsehood. Because in our family, what we do is we lie to each other. How do you lie to each other? We tell each other we're fine. We pretend that things never happened. We all just look the other way and nobody actually talks about how dad was and what dad did. We just ignore each other and we slap a smile on if we have to when in reality there's all this bitterness and rage and anger and malice underneath but we just don't deal with it. We present a facade to each other. It's a lie. It's a falsehood. It's a survival mechanism. It's the only tool I ever had. But now I got tools, choices, options, and a new me. So now, when somebody sins against me, I can, with gentleness and respect, seek to restore that relationship instead of cancel it. He goes on. Instead of that, instead of the Gentile stuff, speak truth. Here's one. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Deal with the things that you're upset about. I've been mad at my sister for two decades. I've been mad at my, I've been mad at my spouse. I don't tell them. I just stuff it. I just kind of live with it. I'm just cold to them. We just don't have a sex life. Paul's like, well, instead of doing that, what if we used our tools and made our choices? And as a person empowered by God, lived a different way. Verse 28, anybody who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they have something to share with those in need. I don't know, I don't know why my family doesn't trust me. They never believe me. It's because you've stolen from them. 
They know better than to let you in the house by yourself. When something's missing, everybody suspects the same person. You've stolen from them physically, you've stolen opportunity from them, you've stolen joy from them, you're a thief. Well, I gotta survive, I just born that way. Paul's like, not anymore, you've been reborn. So now you could work. You could bring joy, you can bring blessing. You, 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 can, you can bring physical, financial. You work so you can share. Quit being a taker. You can be a giver now. You don't have to be a taker. God can change you because you have tools and you have choices and you're new through the power of God. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If we applied that verse to social media, it would change the world by the morning. If you applied that verse to your social media, only speaking what is helpful and beneficial on the largest platform that any of us possess, Well, I'm just so upset. I'm just so tense in the government and the blah, blah, blah. Or instead, you could, therefore, instead, put off, put on, right? See how it works. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. It's fascinating. When Paul writes that list, it's absolutely incredible because when we think of bitterness, rage, anger, slander, and every form of malice, we think of things that are outside of our control. What my childhood, I'm bitter because of my childhood. It's out of my control. I was just a little kid. I'm angry because I was betrayed. If you wouldn't have betrayed me, I wouldn't be angry. That anger is out of my control. I have no control over that. It is, it was created within me. Malice, I, t- I talk about the people that I talk about because of what they've done for me. So when Paul comes in, he's like, by the way, this is a choice. You don't have to be bitter, you've just been bitter. You don't have to be angry, you've just defined your whole relationship with anger. You, you don't have to be malice. You just, that, that's the only way you know how to talk about that person. So get rid of those things. That implies a choice, put off, put on. And when I choose the Jesus option and I'm given the Jesus tools and I'm able to make the Jesus choices and I'm a new person, and I have bitterness, I don't have to be bitter. I just am, it's a habit. I don't, I don't have to be angry, I just am. I've just always been angry. I, 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 don't, I don't have to have these things in my life, I don't have to slander. I'm not a gossip. I just do. It's the way our family interacts. Paul says, put it off. And then he says this. He said, you 
through Christ can be compassionate. So bitter at my mom, she abandoned us, she was in it. Listen, Christ follower, you're just used to being bitter at your mom. You could choose compassion. You can see her in a whole different way because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. You are a new creation. The old part of you is dead. You don't have to live that way. You just are living that way. I can choose kindness. I'm so, and I cut off my dad. He's old now and he's getting what he deserves. You don't, you don't have to do that. You can choose to serve him and love him and be compassionate toward him, knowing full well the reality of who he is. But you don't, his actions don't define you. Christ's actions define you now. And I can choose to forgive. And my ex, and I can't believe. Your lack of forgiveness does not affect your ex. They don't care. They never did. That's why they're gone. But it destroys you. And it destroys the marriage you're in now. And Paul says, you don't have to live that way. You're just living that way. And when I choose the Jesus path, I'm choosing a path I've never chosen before. And I'm supernaturally given spiritual tools I never had before. Which means I can make choices that I didn't actually know I could make. And Paul says, make them. Put off, put on. Get rid of. Instead, do this instead of that. And in the newness of who I am in Christ, because God detoxed me, I can be the cycle breaker. I can be changed because of what Christ is doing in me, right? Now, the big question, the big question that's hard on everybody is, Jeff, Jeff, I'm with you. I hear what you're saying, it makes sense. How do you do that in real time? Because that stuff is easier said than done. And that is the hardest question and the most complicated question. And I really look forward to talking to you about that next weekend. <laughs> right? Little cliffhanger. This is where we need to start. We need to start here. You gotta pick an option. If we, if we don't start here, we, we don't have anything to start with. This is what Paul's saying. Tell you this, I insist on the Lord. He must no longer live as the Gentiles. But you gotta pick an option. Because if, if you wanna go and Google five best ways to have your best life, then you've got as much information about that than I'm gonna give you. It'll, and it'll take you right where you are. If you want to explore a new path and actually allow God to change you 
then we got a lot to talk about. But until you decide to do that, even if you know the information, you're a double-minded person if you don't live it. So we're trusting God. God, his power is real. And when I talk about the power of God in your life, that's not a self-help rah-rah. That's, I'm quoting scripture. Him rebirthing you and making you new is real. I'm, I'm not like, hey, there's a great time. That's literally what the Bible says. Me dying and being raised again spiritually, being reborn is real. God really can work in your life. He really does show up in every day in all kinds of ways. He's not a thing that's out there that you kind of lean into. He's a friend that's right here that you walk with. But you gotta walk with him. And if we don't make like that fundamental decision where instead of weighing our options, we live in a, we live in a decision then we'll just cycle back where we, where we are now. <laughs> right? But God wants to make us new. He wants to change us. He wants to help us. He wants to heal us, right? And out of his grace and love, he actually maps out how that can play out in his word, okay? All right. Band's gonna come out and they'll, they'll have to kind of reset the stage here a little bit. So as they're doing that, maybe we just bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute. I wonder if we could pray along these lines. I wonder if you prayed this prayer. God, would you change me? The cycle I'm in is a cycle of brokenness and pain and frustration. Would you change me? Not them, me. God, would you heal me? The wounds, God, the pain, the abandonment, the memories. And sometimes we feel like we can barely live with those things. God, would you heal me? And finally, God, would you help me? God, you do the work for us. It's your power. You gave us all the tools and we kind of have to learn to use them and we need your help. So Jesus, thank you for the help of your spirit, for the help of your word, for the help of your people. And God, as we think through and pray through the decision about the path, would you let us see it? Would you give us hope? Would you give us confidence and faith, Lord, and a trust that you are who you say you are and that you can actually work in supernatural ways in our lives? press into the nuances of our hearts. 
even now, Jesus.